Welcome to SEC Unfiltered, home of the best SEC content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code SECU to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Prize Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry guys. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sports entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports. Pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of, they have got it over at Prize Picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews as well. Guys, so many fans and listeners of SEC Unfiltered have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. Well, so again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code SECU to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from SEC Unfiltered sent you. Let's get it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Just over three weeks away from opening day, we bring one of the best in the business on the show when it comes to talking all things college baseball. He's part of the D1 Baseball Network, host of the Shock Factor podcast, former Virginia right-hander and 
the representative, the founder, if you will, of the Big Donkey brand, which I was just taking a look at before the show. I got to get me some Big Donkey merch. You know who he is, our good friend Stephen Shock joins the show. Stephen, what's going on, man? Like I said, love the merch, love the work you do. Congratulations on all your success. It's well-deserved, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, of course. I appreciate you having me. I mean, right now I'm just at that point where when the holidays hit, as soon as Christmas hits, the next day is college baseball season. So like the time we're in right now is what I like to call the vortex of everything is getting ready for college baseball season. And I'm foaming at the mouth with excitement, not literally because I think I'd be institutionalized, but I'm as close to foaming at the mouth as you can get about it. And Again, the time from New Year's to opening day, it's just a blink away because when you played college baseball, you'd get back to campus, you'd run your conditioning test. It it would suck. It would suck the practices leading up to the spring. So my life has been crafted to just mentally speed this time up. Steven, we mentioned this off air, but when I touch on it, you know, this is a life comes full circle moment for me being at the 2021 regional in Columbia, South Carolina, watching you guys and watching you specifically with the glove launch. And I felt like that was a launching point for your career as well in regards. And you can never see that type of stuff coming where, you know, Virginia wins the regional and you have the post-game interview, stuff like that. It's a it's a really cool moment for me personally because, again, I remember very vividly sitting there in the stands. I remember that long walk home in the rain, by the way, after – Virginia beat South Carolina, but no, it's, it's, it's great to chat with you, man. And again, I know those are great memories for you for sure. And I think that was the same year too, where you guys played and I forget, maybe it was old dominion. It was somebody, you guys played the super in Columbia also. And I mm-hmm. remember that was, that was like the longest week and a half ever for Gamecock fans. Cause it's like, not only do you not win your regional, but the team that beat you, you got to sit there and like going on in the city for, it felt like a week straight was the regional final or, or whatever it was. So congratulations to you, but life comes full circle, man. It's just crazy thinking back almost three years ago that took place. Yeah. It was just such a fun time too, because I mean, like growing up in the, in the time I grew up when I was getting recruited out of high school, like that's when, you know, the years 2012 through 2015, that's when Virginia and South Carolina were like, at their most dominant, I feel like, leading up to those seasons because South Carolina, you know, wins back-to-back national championships. How's that happen? I have no idea. That's sick. And then, you know, I see Virginia play big games against them too, and then I finally got to play in one against them, and it was like, you know, in the moment, you don't really realize what you're doing as a baseball player because you aren't supposed to dwell on how far you come and all that and never get complacent. But I was a dweller. I love to look at where I've come because – you know, you got to appreciate how far you get in life and at different moments. And that was one of the moments where, you know, I got the final out and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa we did it. Um, <laughs> like, this is the stuff I've been dreaming of doing. So, you know, you go a little crazy after those moments. Steven, I want to talk SEC ball with you, including South Carolina. Before we do so, though, one thing I love about you, you are a big grow the game guy. Like, you do different things to grow the game, whether it be – tour different stadiums or just talk about college baseball obviously your podcast the big donkey brand which again I love the college baseball is rad hat short sweet to the point I'm going to get myself one right after this but in your opinion 
Where are those efforts working in a positive manner, or where do you feel like we still have a ways to go when it comes to growing the game of college baseball? Because I think it has grown, right? But still, there's a lot of area for opportunity, I think, when it comes to shining a light on the great product that is the college baseball game, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. I think the first step in growth is reducing the prices of beers at games nationwide. Um, I walk into stadiums, I see $8 for a beer I want to throw up, and I haven't even had the beers yet. Um, So that's step number one. That's one area for great improvement. I haven't run an economic stress test on how much it would cost to do a, a dollar beer night or something like that, but it's definitely possible. It's feasible. I think schools could do it. But I, I love where the game's at right now in the sense that I feel like, you know, a couple of years ago, it was on the cusp of really coming to the forefront in the nation. And then last year, we get guys throwing 102 miles an hour all the time. And it's like, wait, everybody's realizing, hey, this is sick. Like, this is a really cool product. And, you know, I, I wanted to get to the point where everybody understands, like, while this is a cool product. They're just kids like they're just going out and having fun. A lot of these guys might not even have pro baseball ambitions like that. That's one thing that I think a lot of people don't realize because in the game, of course, like when you're out there, you got to fake it till you make it. And you got to have like this uh, make or break kind of attitude towards the game. But I just want to showcase like the fact that while these guys are performing in a very high level, making absolute magic on the baseball field they're normal human beings like me and you as well. Like they're just normal guys. Like any college baseball team you go to, you could go and you could talk about the exact same thing at every school across the nation and have phenomenal conversations because there's so many of those unique personalities. So I'm just hoping we can get to a point where like, if I go on a guy's roster, I can know what makes that guy like what they're like as a human being too. And I understand for heckling purposes, that might not be the best for guys to have out there because the SEC fans are very creative. I'll give you all that. You guys do a great job of getting under skin, you know, getting getting research done. Um, but I, I just, I love where the game's at because I feel like it's on an exponential growth curve right now of where last year was like really the tipping point where we got to that slope where it's trending straight upwards and i i just want to see how long college baseball can ride that out and how we as a sport and we as a community can help that tide continue to go because i i want to get to a point where you know we have rosters of 35 guys where none of them are paying for school and that way we can get the best of the best against the best of the best because that's how you really draw it in because I feel the one place schools are really limited is that scholarship money. And while NIL is great, it's still, you know, coaches have to put in a ton of effort to grow the NIL funds and all of that. And then, you know, you have these situations where coaches lose games. And then in the post-game press conference, it's like, well, if we had more money in NIL, we, we would do better. It's like, well, everybody just paid a lot of money for tickets to that game to watch that product. So it, it's a it's a double-edged sword in in the sense that nil is great in the sense that it'll get people money it can, it's a way to get college players paid but i don't want it to be a thing that's a distraction for coaches or for athletic departments where they're like wow our nil is struggling right now we really need to boost this i i feel like if you just had scholarships for every baseball player that would ease a lot of that stress and then it's like 
the way I think about money is like when I make money, as long as the bills are taken care of, we're good. Anything on top of that is for fun. That's the way I think college coaches should look at it. Um, or just colleges in general, like, okay, scholarships taken care of any NIL money on top of that is good and great, but I, I don't want it to be a place where, you know, a college or an institution is banking entirely on NIL to fund their program. Because I mean, say you have a bad year and everybody's like, oh, we, we aren't paying, we aren't paying, we aren't donating a thousand bucks a month to these guys. Then it's like, oh, well, how <laughs> How do we tell Timmy that he has to leave um, and no one wants those conversations. So I, I think the best place for college baseball to go next is getting rid of the 11.7 scholarship limit. I, I think it's silly to still have, especially in the sec when everybody, who, who are we fooling that, that schools like LSU and South Carolina can't afford to give scholarships to all their players. Like I'm not buying that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Steven, that's a great segue to what I wanted to ask you next because, you know, football is king. We talk about it all the time with the portal and NIL and the way that it's positively and negatively affected the game. And, I mean, it, it's just a talking point day in, day out. How do you feel like it's affected college baseball? Because, you know, when you talk college football, we hear about parity and there, there's more schools that have a chance to compete. I don't really think parity's ever been a problem in college baseball. I mean, Presbyterian can go out and beat LSU on a Tuesday night, no problem, right? Like, we see it every single week. Um, but you've got a different perspective. Again, you talk to players, current players, former players, you were a player. Transfer portal and NIL, do you feel like it's helped the game, hurt the game, somewhere in the middle? Your overall thoughts on, on those two pressing issues in college athletics, if you will. Overall, I think it's helped the game a ton having the one-time transfer because, I mean, the one-time transfer makes a ton of sense to me. And as someone who transferred, of course, I'm going to say that. But for me, the reason it makes sense is because you have these kids who, you know, they're 15 years old. There's a pandemic going on when they're committing to a school. 
They have no idea what that college is going to be like. They don't understand what any college is like. I went to, I went on one visit of one college committed there. How am I going to know I like that school more than another school? I didn't even have anything to compare it to. And that's because I only got invited on one official visit. And I was like, well, I'm going to go somewhere for baseball. So let's not visit like a normal student. I don't want to do that. So, you know, guys will go in and they make the biggest decision they've ever made in their lives and have no idea what they're looking for while doing it. And that's not a knock against them. Everybody's young at one point and has no clue what they're doing. And a lot of guys make the right decision and they find the right home. But there's so many more guys who don't make the right decision or they have one external factor that's dragging them away from the school or something's going on. There's so many unique situations. So I think it's like just such a good thing to have where the NCAA doesn't have to go. Okay, well, send us a waiver and you might get to play, you know, because that sucks. I've done that. I sat on the edge of my seat waiting for a response if I would have to redshirt or not. And it sucked. It was a month of sucking. And ultimately, they were like, yeah, no, you're still sitting out, buddy. Um, So I love that guys have that freedom to go, you know, if this isn't the right fit for me, it's not the right fit for me. And it honestly just gives a little bit more power to the players, which any any legislation, any rules that give power to players, I am here for it. I'm like GameStop. I know that's their slogan probably. Um, but power to players, sign me up for it. I I think NIL, I hate it timing-wise because like a week earlier would have been phenomenal for me. Um, but aside from that, love it in the sense that it gives one, it gives schools ways to kind of circumvent the 11.7, which – you know, that's the mortal enemy, that scholarship cap. It makes no sense to me. But it gives schools ways to work around that that I think helps. I don't really get into asking about money when it comes to coaches and players because I don't really understand it, and that's their business. So I, I think it works that way. I'm not entirely sure. But I, I just think it's really I, – I really love seeing the guys, and there's multiple that I follow on Instagram strictly because i think they actually like do a good job working to get nil money like different different brands they're working to partner with and like i see them putting out content every day and it's like okay i i understand what this person's doing and i respect the fact that they are going to get paid while actually like putting in work because while for some players it might just be as simple as like oh take this picture at our dealership and post it that's great. But I, I love the guys who like are actually like selling stuff. Like I, I think it's so cool. I think it's just such a unique landscape in college athletics. And it really makes the players a lot more accessible too, which I think is a very underrated part of it. Well, Steven, you mentioned earlier when talking about growing the game, obviously what helps grow the game is great personalities within the game. And my mind immediately goes to last year, Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz at LSU, mainly Paul Skeens. I mean, he was a lightning rod, it felt like, and it got people, whether you loved him or hate him, interested in college baseball. Who do you think could be that guy this year, could serve as the face of college baseball and be sort of that lightning rod that attracts people to the game? Uh, that is a phenomenal question. I think Chase Burns is going to be up there from a pitcher side of things. I think he's very polarizing right now, especially, you know, going from the SEC to the ACC. 
Um, just because a lot of people are like, why would you do that? You know, you're, you're at the SEC where it means more. And hey, look, I get it. Totally agree. They, baseball in the SEC looks super fun. I played in the ACC. Had a great time there too. But I think just with his talent level and how polarizing he is without even trying to be polarizing, like that's the thing about the kid. Like he's just trying to go out there and pitch and people have their opinions about him one way or the other. I think he's a super cool guy and an absolute competitor. So he's super fun to watch. So I I think he has that kind of not, not that he's earned it, not that I feel he's earned it, but that reputation of like, okay, look, I'm going against the grain. I'm going to go out, I'm going to do my own thing, have my own success, which I'm always rooting for that. Ah, geez, there's just so many good players in college Jack Caglione season. is the name I'd probably it's, do. It, it's Got to love a good two-way. The modern yeah. Shohei Otani in college baseball, I feel like. Either he or Braden Montgomery at Texas A&M. I think both those guys with the two-way I, capabilities. I, I'm right there with you. I don't know where the two ways have all come from. They've been coming out of the woodworks. I remember like anytime someone two-wayed when I was in school, everybody knew about it. They heard about it across the nation because it's like, whoa, who's doing that? But I love it. My favorite are the two ways that are relief pitchers because, you know, we love college baseball because it's amateur baseball. Nothing says more amateur baseball than a kid coming in from right field, taking off his right field glove, getting his glove from the dugout and going into the game and pitching, which I think Braden Montgomery has a really good shot of doing at the end of ball games. I know they have Zane Badmov, who he's six foot eight, throwing 98. So that that's pretty good closer, uh, pretty good closer build right there. So I don't know when Braden will be coming into games, but I think he'll be a lot of fun to watch. And then Jack Caglione's throwing a hundred miles an hour. Now he worked with Cliff Lee this off season. It's like, dude, save some for the rest of the league. You know, like let, <laughs> like, I, I think a lot of people like knock his pitching last season because he had a four, three ERA. And I say this all the time. If a freshman had a four, three ERA, in the sec while throwing 95 to 97 from the left side everybody would be going nuts that was his first season pitching he was he's recovering from tommy john hitting seven bombs as a freshman so it, it's a lot i i think i think you're you hit the nail on the head with that one steven let's get into the d1 baseball top 25 the preseason top 25 if you will and i want to start with the top five wake forest at number one but you got three sec teams in the top five, Florida, Arkansas, LSU. You know, all three, I think, have different storylines. You look at Florida, I mean, it's a bomb squad, and we just talked about Cags and what he means to that crew. Arkansas, I just think, are the baseball gods finally going to smile on them. It's it's hard to believe they don't have a national championship. Dave Van Horn, you feel like eventually he's going to get one. And then, of course, with LSU, do they have the firepower to go back-to-back? Back? It'll be the first time it happened since that South Carolina team you mentioned back in the early 2010s. So we'll start Florida, Arkansas, LSU. What do you like about those teams? What are your questions? I mean, obviously, they're in the top five for a reason. These three teams are loaded and certainly three favorites to make it to Omaha and possibly win the whole thing. Yeah, I think, honestly, the three of them, the biggest question is going to be, what's the pitching staff look like? I think of the three, Arkansas is one of the most established because they have Hagan Smith, who... He's an incredible pitcher. He he will work in the 97 to 100 range from the left side, which Florida also has a guy who's going to do that too. He I was going to say, isn't it crazy how, well. normal, how normal that is now? It, it's I, how normal that is in the college game. 
In my first four years of college baseball, I remember we faced Bryce Montez de Aca from Missouri and some kid named Thunder from Louisiana Lafayette. And I remember Thunder came into a game. I didn't remember his actual name, but everybody was just like, oh, Thunder's coming in. Loud and heavy was his walkout song. Six foot eight closer, believe it or not. Throwing 100 miles an hour. And I asked a fan, I was like, hey, why, do, why is everyone calling this guy Thunder? And they go, because did you not hear him warm up? And I was like, that's sick. But I remember in my four-year career, those are the two guys I saw throw 100 miles an hour. Now everybody's doing it. If I, it would look like a CVS receipt if I had a list of guys in college baseball throwing 100 miles an hour. And that's, that's not to be taken lightly. But I think, again, with, this li- with these three lineups, the thing that's really going to turn heads is the power. I know Arkansas is the biggest question mark when it comes to who's going to hit home runs for him. But I think a lot of Razorback fans are going to be pleasantly surprised with Jack Wagner. He is, I know they lost Jared Wagner, who little different, I understand. But it would feel weird with the Razorbacks lineup without a guy with a last name Wagner or Wagner, however you say it, absolutely belting home runs. He hit, I think he hit about 15 at Tarleton State last year. So I'm expecting him to have a lot. And then Kendall Diggs is just an absolute stud of a baseball player. Like, I felt like over summer he played for the Bourne Braves, I want to say. And I remember at least on two separate occasions, there were videos of him like diving into gravel to catch baseballs, which I think is a perfect, you know, summation of Kendall Diggs as a ball player. He's just like that tough nosed guy ready to run through a wall. And I, I love to see that. And then when, when you look at, I, I don't know how I didn't even mention this, Florida might hit a thousand home runs this year, just with the <laughs> whole lineup as a whole. Like, I know I said pitching might be a question mark for him, but I think their question mark is more so doesn't matter, you know, like, cause you know, you, you add Colby Shelton, you just get so many studs together and it's like, okay, Brody Donay, he is aside from Jack Caglione, the biggest person I've ever seen in my life. So <laughs> I think I think Florida fans are going to get pretty comfortable watching him hit a lot of home runs there. Steven, the rest of the top 10, again, we mentioned there's three SEC teams in the top four of the D1 baseball preseason rankings. There's six SEC teams in the top nine. So, I mean, it really just goes to show, again, the depth of the league is insane. And it's not just a top-heavy league. It runs throughout the entire conference. But at six, D1 baseball, you guys have Vanderbilt at eight. You've got Texas A&M at nine. You've got Tennessee. Talk about those three clubs. I I love Tony Vitello. I think Tony Vitello, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. They win a national championship with him in Knoxville, and you think about what he's done with that program. I mean, I recall, Stephen, Tennessee baseball, let's call it what it is. It used to be trash. It wasn't very good. I mean, South Carolina back in the day was picking on Tennessee, it felt like, in those series, and now – Tennessee's a legitimate top 10 program. Omaha Club, of course, with Schlossnagel at Texas A&M, trying to get them back, adding Braden Montgomery. And then Vandy, Stephen, I would just – my question for them is can they hit enough because they've got the pitching. Yeah, I think Vandy is going to surprise a lot of people with their bats this year. I I mean, Jonathan Vastine last season, I think he only had like three home runs, but he had 18 doubles. And so I, I am a firm believer sophomore to junior year is when the doubles turn into home runs. You hear people all the time say like, oh, I expect those doubles to turn into home runs. The time frame for that, typically the sophomore junior year, I feel like that's when most guys fill out their bodies. 
So I think they're going to be in good hands. They have him. RJ Austin is going to absolutely mash baseballs. We already know that he's done it historically speaking, and he'll do it into the future. I think Jack Bolger, their catcher, is on the cusp of a big year. I remember in high school because he went to one. He went to a rival high school actually way back when I wasn't there. I wasn't in high school when he was in high school. I just this is how good he was, but he was mashing home runs at not a small baseball field. And I, I remember like watching him in college. I was like, wait a minute, this guy was destroying home runs. But I, I do understand like switching from high school pitching to college pitching, especially SEC pitching, very difficult to do. So I, I know Jack Bolger has a lot of home run potential in him. He hasn't used much of it yet, but I'm a firm believer he was saving it for this year. So I think I think that's a I think Vanderbilt's going to be in very good hands. You know, they always are. Uh, Tim Corbin's one of those coaches who could lead a horse to the College World Series and make it win. Um, <laughs> that's not an actual saying, but that's gonna it will catch on one day. Uh, <laughs> then I mean Texas A and M. They again another team that's going to hit a million home runs. You got Jace Laviolette, who talk about a fun name to say. That's a that's a really good name to say. It, it comes off the top. If you say it right, I don't even know if I said it right, but if you do, feels good off the tongue. But he's gonna he hit twenty one home runs as a freshman. He's gonna be huge. And then let's let's take a little look at who they got. I'll refer to the notes. They got Ted Burton at first base, who played at Michigan. He hit 13 home runs last season in a season where he hit 301. And I say this this is another one of my major thoughts, is anytime you take a kid from a cold climate and bring him to play baseball at a new school in a warm climate, they will thaw out and they will be a better baseball player. I'm a firm believer in that. Pitchers, pitchers will throw faster. Hitters will hit the ball further. But I, I think Texas A&M, I think where they have a lot of strength that I don't think people realize is on the mound. Like they have Caden Wilson, who's a freshman. He's going to be throwing 95 to 97 from the left side because that's what 18-year-olds do these days. Um, but they're going to have him. And Tanner Jones is a transfer from uh, from Jacksonville State, who I think is going to be really good for them as well. He's up to like 98 from the right side with a banger slider. So I, I he started at Jacksonville State, had a lot of success. I think he'll have that again. But having a new pitching coach in Max Wiener is huge for them. I, I think he's going to really corral the guys. And he came from the Seattle Mariners. He was their director of pitch development or some one of those fancy titles of someone important. Um, and this is his first time back in the college level since going to UCF in 2017, which – I love when coaches are young because it, it's so much easier to relate to young coaches. And when coaches are young and super knowledgeable, that is the most valuable thing to a college baseball program. Cause one, they have the baseball knowledge, but two, they understand exactly what college is like in today's day and world, which is huge for these players. Yeah. And then Tennessee wise, I mean, come on, Tennessee is always going to be big. <laughs> like this is their first year in a new stadium. If you look way back to 2016, my freshman year of college, Springbrooks Stadium for Coastal Carolina, brand new stadium. They, they won the College World Series that year. Lindsey Nelson's getting a big facelift for this season. And, you know, they are newer to the fandom, but they have gone all in in Knoxville. I remember 
my freshman year at App State, we played a seer or we had a week on spring break where we went to South Carolina, played them, didn't go great. Then we went to Tennessee, played them. We lost like five to three. It was it was actually pretty tight. We uh we weren't that great either. So it was like, okay, and there were maybe three hundred people there. So that's why I've loved how many people have gained fandom for Tennessee, how many people have been showing up. And granted, don't get me wrong, that's not a knock against Tennessee fans. I wouldn't have shown up to that game probably either <laughs> um, as a fan. But it it was it's just been so cool to see that program really explode. And Tony V being at the forefront of it, just being a, honestly just being a personable guy and being super approachable is it's really cool to see. And like, you can tell, like he has this idea and this vision for Tennessee baseball, and he is not going to stop until he gets it. Steven, outside of those six in the top nine, uh, D one baseball has Alabama at number 19, South Carolina at 25, just on the outside looking in, you've got teams like Auburn, Kentucky, Ole Miss, what's Mississippi state going to do this year. Could Missouri, it seems like they're always kind of that, kind of that team that you'd never want to play, making noise. Maybe Kentucky, right? They were in, I believe, a Super Regional last year. Outside of those six in the top nine, who do you most like to make an unexpected run? Could be that team that sneaks their way into Omaha in the SEC. I mean, I feel like South Carolina is a great answer here just because I I don't think people realize how loaded the, the lineup is. Like, the amount of returners... Ethan Petrie is a very exciting player to have back. And everybody will talk like, wow, this is sick. Ethan Petrie's back. You know what's cooler than that? Cole Nassine is back. Gavin Cassis is back. They have so many guys. And, like, if you just look at how many – if you look at their projected lineup and look at the home run total numbers of last season for all their guys, there is just – like, it, it might be 150. Like, it, it's an insane number. And – I, I think people aren't going to realize the amount of power they have until they watch them go out and play. I, I think right now the ratings or rankings, I don't get to vote in these rankings, but I would have I would have thrown a bone to South Carolina. One, because I understand their fans. I know we, we go back, you know, we got history and and I respect y'all. But uh, but for me, like, I, I just think there's so much talent there and it kind of feels like a no brainer that they're going to have a bit of a run here just because they've been on the cusp of it for years, year after year. It, it's like the natural cycle. Like it's the cycle I saw UVA take when I was in college where they go through a bit of a lull after having a couple of really good years. And that's how college baseball has to work. Just plain and simple. Cause you know, unless they're weirdos like me who find a lot of loopholes to keep playing, you only get these guys for four years. And if you pick the right guys, you only get them for three years. So it, it's hard to build a team around that. Like being a college baseball coach is tough, but I, I could really see South Carolina turning a lot of heads and just reminding people like, oh, yeah, South Carolina is a phenomenal baseball school. Steven, which of the Mississippi schools is more likely to turn it around this year and bounce back, Mississippi State or Ole Miss? Well, this is a tough one. I think with Mississippi State, I feel like a lot of the injuries they had last year really held them back. Like not having Pico Cone, one, that stinks because you lose one of your 
one of your best lefty arms, but two, I feel like he was a real leader to that team. Like I feel like any of the any of the bullpen guys that come out and can clean up situations, you end up becoming a leader, whether you mean to or not, because like it's like, oh, who do we turn to when things are hitting the fan? That guy. And so having him back, I think will be really big for them. Ole Miss, Ole Miss is interesting. I think they're going to have a lot of talent, and I'm interested to see what they can do. I'm very excited to see Luke Hill play there. I think he is going to be one of the best shortstops in the nation, if you ask me. And I know I'm saying that in a year where there's a load of second basemen that are super talented. Like, this might be the year we have the most talented second baseman in college baseball, which is very exciting, and it's very weird. But that's not to discredit how talented Luke Smith is at shortstop, I want or Luke Hill. Jeez, Luke Smith. I was thinking in the past, thinking Louisville Cardinals way back in the day. Look at that. But Luke Hill, I think, is a guy who, who will really be big there. And then Andrew Fisher is another guy for Ole Miss who he he's another guy who could hit 20-plus bombs. He transferred in from Duke. And every time I – anytime you see a picture of Ole Miss baseball and you see one guy smiling bigger than everybody else, that's Andrew Fisher. And that genuine appreciation for where you're at will take you further – in the game of baseball than anything else. Like I am a firm believer of that. So I really think either one of them could turn a corner this year. I think Mississippi state just with guys like Amani Larry and Dakota Jordan are, are really set up well to have success because, you know, they, they went through the lull a, a little bit longer. And when you're in the sucky parts and when you're going through terrible times in baseball, the motivation to get out is never bigger. It's never bigger because it sucks. It's the one thing you love to do in life. And it stinks to show up to the field when you aren't playing well and your friends aren't playing well. So I I think they're going to turn it around. But I think both schools have a good shot to really get back on the straight and narrow here. Steven Shock of D1Baseball.com, the Shock Factor podcast. Steven, last thing, and I'll get you out of here. I'll give you an SEC team or the field to win it all this year. Who are you taking? Oh, geez, that's a tough question because there's the no-brainer answer and then there's the answer I want to go with. Uh, I believe in everyone, but, you know, history history does leave clues. But, you know, it's been a, it's been a pretty good streak. It's been a pretty good streak right now, I feel like, for the SEC. I, I want to go field because I believe in the underdogs, you know? I, I want to believe in something. It feels too obvious when the SEC wins it, you know? And that's not a knock against the SEC. I mean that as a compliment of like, these guys are so damn good. (laughs) So I'm rooting for the underdog just to see it happen, just because I believe. Um, I know people are talking with NIL, the small guys never have a shot anymore. So now I'm like, come on, someone do it. Someone do it. Get me another Coastal Carolina situation. That fired me up. That was awesome. So I'm rooting for everybody to just go out and have a good time. If the SEC team is in the championship against a non-SEC team, I'll just root for whichever team does the most amazing stuff and whoever's nicest to me, to be honest with you. (laughs) Steven, to your point, by the way, there's I saw a stat, I think, every eight years since 1999, a mid-major has won the College World Series. We're on that eighth year this year. So maybe it's a UC Santa Barbara. Maybe it's a coastal. Maybe, you know what? Maybe it's East Carolina, right? I, I, they're going to do it at some point. Cliff Godwin's going to get him one. So maybe you'll be right. We'll see. Again, Steven, let folks know where they can find your work, by the way. You do a great job with D1 Baseball, your podcast, Big Donkey Brand. Let folks know where they can check all that out. 
So you can listen to the Shock Factor podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're listening to this podcast on a podcast network, good. Good job. Good call. But also feel free to listen to mine. It's S-C-H-O-C-H Factor. I spell it out because you heard me spell it. And that's not how it should be pronounced. But hey, look, that's how it is. Um, or at least that's what they tell me. You can follow me on Twitter at BigDonkey47 or on Instagram and TikTok at Stephen underscore shock. But as always, just enjoy college baseball. Go to the stadium. Take it all in. Support your local college team. Even if you're like, hey, they might not be good. Go to a game. You'll have a good time. There's probably hot dogs. Do it. Steven, appreciate you taking the time, man. Let's definitely do it again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.